So we get to go in there. They've got this stone pulpit. Then they have this big pottery vase that has the scroll for the reading that day. So the attendant would pull up the scroll out of the room for whatever was supposed to be read and they would place it in that pottery bowl right behind the stone pulpit. We're told in that passage that Jesus, as his custom was, showed up to the synagogue and he read from the scroll. Welcome to the Scripture and Plain Reason Podcast. An engaging podcast where we affirm the authority and the clarity of Scripture. My name is Ryan. And my name is Brian. Welcome back, listeners. We have a very special episode today. I am sitting in my studio at home, but Brian is not. I am in Israel right now. I have been in Israel since Saturday. Well, it was actually Sunday morning when we arrived here. Sunday morning, 3 o'clock their time. Um, I think it was 8 a.m. your time. So seven hours difference here. We're seven hours ahead of you. So it's, um, what time is it here right now? It's 8.33 and it's 1.30 right there, right? It is. Yep. So how's it going? How was the flight? It, was it ridiculously long? Did you watch a lot of movies? Read you know what? I, I didn't read a lot. Of, well, I did read books. I was I was actually preparing for the trip. So I was trying to get geeked up with all things Israel. So I, I know the itinerary. So I was trying to go through each spot we were going to go to, kind of prepping myself before I get there. And I'm actually glad I did that because it's it. um I think it's benefited my visit personally to each of these spots so far because I would already I'd already refresh myself with some of the Bible passages where these places were mentioned or if Christ was there and what He did there. Um, so I didn't watch yeah. many movies. Um, and I had some food that I'd never had before. I think the worst was for breakfast. This was a German airline, and no offense to my German friends, but what they eat for breakfast is not what what I eat for breakfast. So we were given at about eight a.m. on Sunday morning. We were given a bag, and it looked like a sandwich. And I thought, okay, that's different for breakfast. No coffee, orange juice. And and a bag, a sandwich. When I opened it up, it was two very dry pieces of wheat bread. And what appeared to me as, and I'm not sure it was, but what appeared to me as mayonnaise, salsa, and cheese. And that was it. So, so mm. the sandwich on very dry bread had Man. salsa, mayonnaise, and cheese. And that was mm. breakfast. Yeah, I've never heard of a breakfast so, like so that. So I... I mean, at least if there was egg on there or something, or egg and bacon, you could do like a breakfast burrito with stale toast. Yeah. So we got here and um, we're doing well. We've we've stayed at two different hotels so far, um, but we had a great flight over, and we've had two full days now of touring, and uh, they've been really good. What's been the high point location so far? You know what? The high point for me was the first day yesterday of full touring, we ended the day at what's called Nazareth Village. Now, Nazareth, where Jesus was born, or where his his home was, he was born in Bethlehem, of course, but his home was Nazareth, because that's where Mary and Joseph lived, probably only had four or 500 people who lived there when he was a child. Now, there are 70 or 80,000 people that live in Nazareth. Uh, so it's quite different. It was, wow. But but they have this place called Nazareth Village that was purchased and I don't know if it's purchased. I, I didn't understand exactly how it works here in Israel. Um, there's not a lot of private property ownership 
after 1948. Um, they're very careful with property and how it's lined up with family and that kind of thing. Um, but there was a location in Nazareth at the bottom of the hill, because Nazareth is basically this hill and everything's built on this hill. But down in the valley, there was a space of, of ground that they believed was the original area where this little town of Nazareth, the homes were up on the hill then too. But those homes now are really nice homes or big homes and uh, in a very big city. But now where that valley area is, they believe that was where the um, wine press was, where the synagogue was, where the, um, the, the weaver was, the potter's house was. So what they've done is they've recreated in this area, true to time, replicas of each of those places. Hmm. But what's really amazing that I thought, two things about it. One is they didn't recreate the wine press. The wine press is actually um, this rock and they would crush these grapes with their feet and they would drain into this hole that is created in the rock. And then they would be moved to to the wine vats. And that wine vat is right there. I mean, it's the only one they have in Nazareth that's of first century dating. So it's believed that Jesus probably, in a town that small, used his feet to press some wine right there at that wine press. And the way they've set it up is, you may remember that parable that Jesus told about how that um, there was a guy that went out and planted a vineyard. Well, everything's on a hill there, so they have to build these little kind of walls with rocks, put soil in it, and so then they have the vines. And he talks about how that there was a tower. They have a watchtower, and there's a watchtower that they've recreated there. Um, they have the vineyard. There's, of course, the wine press that's that was already there. And then we got to see these other little places, like the potter's house was cool. But the the best so far, and this is after two days full touring, was was the last place at the Nazareth village. It was the synagogue. So this synagogue is set up, and we've seen now remains of synagogues in three different other cities. So it's true to form. But this synagogue is set up just like the synagogues were set up there. So in first century, synagogues were not like church. A synagogue was set up, and it's called a gathering house. That's what the word means in Hebrew, a gathering house, a house for God's people to gather because they can't get to the temple. So the door of the temple would always point toward Jerusalem, point toward the temple. But inside of it, what happens is you have these benches. They're basically rock benches that look like grandstands. And on those benches, those gathered would sit and they would ask questions. There's a little room off to the left where they kept the scrolls, Old Testament scrolls, for every book of the Old Testament. And there was a reading order. They were reading the Bible through, the Old Testament through, so there was an assigned reading for every Sabbath day. Now, there had to be an official rabbi that they would allow to read the scriptures. Sometimes it'd be a traveling rabbi, or it might be a rabbi who could be the only one who was literate in the whole village. Whatever the case is, we're told in Luke 4 that Jesus entered the synagogue in his own hometown in Nazareth. So this is like real feel, probably almost the exact location, and now it's a replica of exactly what it looked like. So we get to go in there. They've got this stone pulpit. 
Then they have this big pottery vase that has the scroll for the reading that day. So the attendant would pull up the scroll out of the room for whatever was supposed to be read, and they would place it in that pottery bowl right behind the stone pulpit. We're told in that passage that Jesus, as his custom was, showed up to the synagogue and he read from the scroll. So they had a scroll there. So pulled out the scroll and what we're told is he read from Isaiah and he read the text that said, the spirit of God is upon me. I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. I've come to heal those that are sick. I've come to preach good tidings to those who sit in darkness. He's referring to the Gentiles. Now, why this is incredible is Jesus then finished his sermon by saying, this prophecy is fulfilled in your hearing today. He puts the scroll down and he sits down. There's a chair. They called it Moses' seat. It was like the, the seat where whoever the rabbi read, they would sit in. It was kind of like the seat of authority for that particular synagogue. So he sits down and the people in Nazareth didn't respond to him well. His own people were like, who does he think he is? And the the significance of that moment is knowing that Nazareth was this little village, Ryan, that was supposed to be a, a little rebel village because they felt like their Messiah was going to come and he was going to deal with all these Gentiles that oppressed them for so long. Well, here's the one who's claiming now to be the Messiah. And the exact scripture that was read or picked for that day, that Sabbath day, when he preached his first sermon, and it was on a schedule, had been pulled out by the attendant, and it was the exact passage that prophesied that the Messiah would come, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles also. And so this little group, they were together because they hated the Gentiles. And to hear this one say, I'm fulfilling this in your hearing today, that's why they rejected him. And that's why Jesus said later on, a prophet is only with honor in some other place, not his hometown. So that's been the highlight of my trip so far. And I think one of the reasons is because I preach from that passage multiple times. <laughs> the first thing I was happy with is I had described this setting in the synagogue accurately because it was exactly the way it was set up. So I felt good about that. But the other part nice. is it was just overwhelming <laughs> to me to stand behind that stone pulpit and I pulled out the scroll. They have a scroll there. So I pulled out the scroll and I stood behind it. And it was just an overwhelming feeling to know that the Lord Jesus Christ stood somewhere close to that same area and preached his first sermon to his own people, and they rejected him. But the message he was preaching is, I didn't come just for the Jews. I came for Gentiles like us, too. So that's by far been the most exciting thing. Very cool. And now the next time you preach from that verse you'll have a little bit of an even different perspective now that you visited that live. Hey, I, we only have a couple of minutes left because I know it's late there for you. So you've read through the agenda and the itinerary 15 times on the plane. <laughs> you've, you had a lot of time to do that, and I know you wanted to study it. So I think it would be great for our listeners to hear what is the place you're most excited to visit and then when you come back to the States and we actually do a recording or an episode focused on how the whole trip was, I'd love to hear if that actual spot exceeded or hit your expectations with regards to actually seeing it live. So what are you most excited about for the rest of the Yeah, trip? definitely basically three locations, going to Gethsemane, going to the Mount of Olives, 
going to where he was crushed like the wine press. That's what Gethsemane means, the crushing of the of the olives. And then going to Golgotha, going to the the hill of the skull where Christ died for our sins. And then we're going to have communion as a church family, the part of us that's here right around the empty tomb. So I cannot wait to be in those locations. I don't think there's anything mystical that happens because I'm I'm at those locations. But let me give you one more little tidbit. Like today, we went to Mary Magdalene was from a village called Magalda, after Mag- Magdalene, Magalda. But no one ever knew where this village was. But the scriptures say she was from the village, and it was a village on the Sea of Galilee. It was a port city. There was about 24 of them, and Jesus did most of his ministry there. Well, in 2006, there was a group that bought a piece of land that was called the Holiday Hotel, or no, the Hawaii Hotel in this area. And before you are able to build a new hotel, they wanted to build a new hotel by the sea. Before you can build anything in Israel, you have to do extensive research to make sure that there's not ruins underneath, underneath them. Because they have this saying here, you can't ruin ruins. It's a great saying to have. Well, like when they it. started digging, they found the village of Magalda, Mary Magdalene's hometown. So we were just there today, just a couple hours ago. Wow. And it's the only first century synagogue And we're told in the Gospels that Jesus went to all the synagogues around the Sea of Galilee. So he certainly went into this one. It's the only intact first century, hasn't been built on by other civilizations or occupations like some of the other ones. This one is totally first century. It hasn't been touched since the Romans destroyed it. The mosaics on the floor of that synagogue are still there. So in reality, Jesus' feet certainly... His sandal feet were were on on that that spot. spot. He was a rabbi on a Sabbath day in that location that I was just looking at today. I'm going to post a video of it tonight, God willing. But the other thing that's just so amazing is the the Word of God just keeps getting validated with these discoveries. This is a small detail in a secular mind that there was this little detail about a man, a woman named Mary of Magalda. But this, this village now has been uncovered. And they found it. It's actually a very large village. Everything's intact. They've got these purification baths that they found. They found the synagogue. They found a marketplace. They found a, a whole area that's ports. And the lady said to us today, she said, they didn't find these out until 2009. They didn't open up the full excavation until 2014. And she says, where you're standing right now is kind of a parking lot. She said, we know that more of the city's underneath your feet, and in the next couple years, we'll discover it. So again, the scriptures are always true, and they're always validated by these archaeological discoveries. And it just reminds us, we can place our total confidence in the Word of God. Love it. So cool. Well, Brian, thank you for joining us today from Israel. Thanks for tuning in. Well, my name is Ryan. And my name is Brian. Join us next time for more scripture and plain reason. God's Word is true, and God's Word is clear.